don't say that I don't deliver on what I promised. Bonus episode, Locked on Guardians. On today's show, we are going to talk about the players who've recently been let go. It's something I always like to focus on. Let's take a moment and say thank you to those players who are no longer a part of the Cleveland Guardians organization on today's Locked on Guardians. You are Locked on Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I want to thank you, Sizemore24, uh, even though we don't agree about Gabby Arias. I still appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes. And I also want to say thank you to a Morrissey 24 for also leaving us a nice review on iTunes. I'm a little bit worried. I've seen some low or unstable bandwidth, which makes no sense. Nothing is running in the background. I don't even have Justin going. It's just me. So StreamYard, come on, you can do it. I believe in you. Believe in you a little bit more than the guardians very quickly. Friday's game. How ridiculous was that? I thought Thursday's game was ridiculous. We get, three runs in the ninth on wild pitches and then immediately it's a walk-off home run watching that game nick sandlin man that first pitch you could tell he was throwing not pitching it just got away from him and then it just went from there things got worse uh all in all hey savali had a savali like game he went through five innings didn't miss bats uh at some point that is going to turn on him uh, it was a you know it was a fun game to watch when they're ridiculous like that i find them fun but Let's get into the meat of what this one's all about today. I want to take a moment and always say, give some time, shine a light on those players who were let go. Cleveland recently added all of their draft picks. That is not a common occurrence. They had 19 players they had to add. Uh, In the past, they could have them sit. And I believe until the season ended, it kind of gave them a little more wiggle. Like those guys, if they didn't play, didn't count against the minor league active roster of 180. That's not the case anymore. So they had to add... 18, 19 players, and we had 14 let go that, uh, you know, just to help balance that out. And, you know, here's the thing. A lot of these guys you probably never heard of. A lot of these guys I haven't heard of. I'll be honest until I decide to sit down and spend some time on them. But it's still, you know, they all tried. They all made it farther than you and I. And I think everyone deserves that chance to get a light shined on them. And if there's time left, you might see in the corner of if you're watching on YouTube, Uh, my shadow draft, that is something I'm keeping in the background, something we need to work on. Uh, well, it's done. It's not worked on. It's just a matter of timing and having the time to get that in there. At some point, Justin and I are both going to want to take it easy and probably do a solo show a week. Maybe in the off season, we'll do one together and then one apart. And that's, maybe it'll be then. I, I, but I'll promise you this. It's not changing. I, I'm not duplicitous with this. When I miss, I miss. When I get it right, I'll let you know. Because anyone who listens to this show knows. Let's start with... Maybe the biggest name on this list, Caleb Beringer, teammate in college of Tim Heron, uh, both lefties. And at one point in time, he looked really good in the minors this year uh, down there in AAA. He, you know, he's pitched in the big leagues, 49 games. He is a lefty with some solid experience. But overall, the numbers caught up to him. His command was just atrocious down there. And at 29 years of age, um, you know, I hope he finds a home with someone else. But he hasn't pitched in the big leagues since 2021. He's has he turned 30, he'll turn 30 in April, so he's got some time, but it's it's not looking great early on. Maybe there's a chance. Get the Beringer moving. The biggest surprise to me is Kyle Marmon. Uh, he's one of those guys who talked about with Kevin Kelly. 
and you know Nick Enright as arms we were afraid could go in the Rule 5 draft. Now, two of those guys did get selected, and one of them is still gone, and Kevin Kelly has been great for the Rays. But Kyle Marmon missed a lot of at-bats in the minors, command issues. And that's the thing. Cleveland's not always the best about cleaning up command issues. They never could with Marmon. Uh, his final year in college, let's see, he was a 13th-round draft pick out of Florida Atlantic back in 2018. And then last year in school, he had a 1.9 walk per nine. Shows the difference between college and pros, though. That was entirely, I believe, as a relief pitcher. And I know it was only in five games, but they were all starts. Came to the system and was immediately put in that relief role. Um, you know, Obviously, one of the many guys who didn't pitch at all in 2020, didn't pitch at all in his draft year. And then, I mean, his K rate in the minors was over 11. It's just the walk rate was nearly five. And the home run rate was over one. And they just couldn't refine him enough. So, again, they helped him you know, reach another level and maybe someone will take a chance with him. But I was just Justin, if you're curious why I looked down, he was, you know, complaining about Daniel Norris. Hard to argue with that right now. But uh, Kyle Marmon was a surprise just because, you know, 26 years of age, even though he's been around for a while, he has swing and miss stuff. But I guess they thought at some point he, there just wasn't going to be enough of the command to make it work. Angel Contreras, one of those guys, I'll be honest, Colombian born player, uh, 5'9", switch hitter, first, second, and third base. was not super familiar with him. Let's see, he turned 20 in January. So even though this lists him as 19 this year, he's 20, which would make sense because he wouldn't have been the 2020. He, he didn't come stateside this year. He, he played over in uh, the Winter Leagues, played in the rookie in the, you know, the Arizona League last year limited it wasn't great but then he didn't come back uh for whatever reason he's not listed in the dominican he's not his last stats are with the winter league so it makes sense if he's not actually with your organization paper move to get rid of him let's talk darlin noba uh he is an interesting guy in my otp league he turned into a 3-5 prospect 23 years of age so older for a guy who's still in the arizona leagues and that's why he is gone Signed in 2018, I believe, and then 2019 needed Tommy John. 2020, late in the year, I want to say, or maybe it was early. 2020, obviously, everyone misses. Didn't pitch as, didn't pitch at all in 21, so he he missed 19, 20, and 21. That is almost impossible for anyone to come back from. He missed bats in the minors, but 23 in A ball. The numbers aren't terrible in 17 and a third innings as a reliever, but still, it's he's 23 and and not even A ball in rookie league. So there's that. Filipito Santos, who is 24 years of age, never got out of complex leagues, never threw more than 19 innings in the complex leagues. Uh, he was with Cleveland and Milwaukee at one point, according to this, at, at the rookie level. So I'm not exactly sure what went there, but the FIPS are pretty rough. The ERAs are pretty rough. Uh, the walk rate is through the roof. You know, he was, uh, and then he also could get, I don't know if he gets conflated or there's another guy, Felipe, Filipito de los Santos. Um, but yeah, he's, you know, another one of those players kind of um, from the lower levels. Uh, next up, Sterling Romero. And here's going to be a common theme. If you are 20 years old and you haven't gotten to low A, it's probably not looking good. In his three years in the in you know Dominican Summer League and then the Arizona Complex League, I guess I'm back. Uh, two... 90 average in those 40 games. I'm very nervous about how this quality is. I'm going to be very honest. It's a bonus episode. 
don't know if I have to get extenders or what, but I switched internet and it was yeah, he was just kind of stuck to the bench. 290 or 256 batting average, 290 on base, 365 slugging, 655 OPS. Uh, just another one of those guys who performance wasn't there, older, and was blocked. Daniel Figaro, 21 years of age. He actually went to Indian Hills Community College in, in uh, Centerville, Iowa. So I wonder if he was an undrafted free agent out of... Um, uh, out of there, he was originally born in Puerto Rico. A center fielder, right fielder, switch hitter. Uh, didn't have any data with Cleveland. None at all. Uh, according to this, he had only played in the summer baseball leagues in 2020 or 2022, I should say. So didn't play with Cleveland 22 or 23, but was maybe a paper move in their system. Uh, you know, in the summer league, he was fine. Okay numbers, nothing spectacular. Nothing world beating there. Uh, so another guy. I mean, that's that's going to be our other common theme as we power through these. There are a lot of guys who just haven't played this year in Arizona or we don't have the data that they played um, from the organization. Apologize. Sometimes a bear. So we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. But don't pull out my hair here. Apologize to all you YouTube watchers for the inconsistency in video. At least I can edit it out for those who are listening. But again, thank you for bearing with me with this issue. And uh, we'll be back to talk, uh, you know, five more players that we let go. One or two big names. Actually, two or three, I would say. And looks like we'll have time for some shadow draft talk on today's Locked On Guardians. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Sleeper. Want the chance to win more money? Oh, oh, wait, sorry. There we go. Want the chance to win more money? With less picks, head to Sleeper. You can win up to 100 times your money on just two or more fantasy baseball picks. Sleeper is now offering up to 100 times payout for up to an eight-pick contest. Choose as many as eight players you like and pick more or less on your favorite baseball stats like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more. Get your picks right and you could win big. Think Jose Ramirez is going to bang, smash more on home runs. Think Miles Straw is going to go deep again, smash more on home runs. Entries can be made in 30 seconds or less. It's that easy. They also have safe and fast withdrawals. Use the promo code Locked On and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use. For details, currently operational over 30 states, check out Sleeper today. And I want to remind you to check out the game all weekend and wherever you can over on Sirius XM radio, just type guardians. So we have Eric Carpia. I know I got it wrong. It's, it's fine. Only, well, he's another guy who'd be 20 right now. Turned 20 in January. Hasn't played this year, played last year sparingly in all of 10 games, mostly as a backup for the Arizona league. Before that it was Dominican summer league. Not great performances. Venezuelan player, six foot two, right field, left field, center fielder from that. You know, they like their players from Venezuela more catchers. That is a favorite of theirs. Uh, Eric Carpia. Next up, Simone Rodriguez, a Venezuelan this time, not a Colombian, but another outfielder, right field, center field, left field. He is 20 years of age and also has not, doesn't have any 2023 data. Uh, Dominican Summerlee, and that I mean, like I said, this is the story. <laughs> Most of these guys are players that came over in 
I don't know, maybe signed in 2020, lost some of that year or signed in 2021 and were more like secondary signings who spent 2021 in the Dominican Summer League, 2022 in Arizona, and then 2023 never reported. Um, but a 708 OPS for his minor league career, that's not bad. You take that, but 216 batting average. He did have five home runs last year, so he had some pop. 385 slugging. Uh, not bad for a guy who's five foot eleven. Uh, in terms of the overall profile, there was, you know, 48 strikeouts and 135 plate appearances is, is a little bit high. Um, you know, he struck out almost half his at-bats. Not really a Guardians type of guy. Just going to sit here and be frustrated. Uh, let's go with the last. Okay, one more kind of lesser known. Interesting that Jose Baez was listed as released, but voluntary retirement list. I don't know what the difference between those are for the Guardians. Um, but Jose Baez was a third baseman, shortstop, second baseman from the Dominican Republic. Also, he's about rated to 21, who did play in the Arizona League this year and last year after being 16 back in 2019 in the Dominican Summer League. No data for 20, as most players, or 21. Arizona, he only gotten, you know, 21 games, and it was rough for him. So voluntary retirement, not a surprise based on that age. And then kind of the big names. Um, Jordan Brown was a player I like quite a bit. Came from Junipero's, Junipero, Sarah, you know, one of the big programs in the state of California, maybe the high school program. They're six foot three, 185. He's a six round pick, big kid, athletic. You know, you're hoping for power potential. He signed for, they don't have a signing bonus, but I believe he was over slot in that round. That's in, He's like the one of two players without a signing bonus listed back in 2019. Again, for a kid who's 21 years of age, they gave up on Jordan Brown pretty quickly. He was repeating Lynchburg. Um, you know, his all his four years in the minors drafted in 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 what did I say 2019. So plays a little bit in the Arizona Red before they changed the rules. Misses 2020, and then the last three years he was in Arizona um, Complex League, and then Lynchburg the last two years. 165 batting average. With 161 strikeouts. So when your batting average, your strikeout total are close. Not good. Uh, 285 on base, 281 slugging. Physical tools were there, but it performance was just really bad. And you know, he 47 games, 167 plate appearances. He got opportunities, but at this point in time, when you're looking at a player like him, even though he got a decent chunk of money, even though he's an interesting athlete, when you're performing that poorly while repeating a level, and they just drafted a bunch of players, you just got replaced. And without, and that's basically what happens. Maybe a Jordan Brown lasts another year in the old system when there was still like a Mahoning Valley and all of those draft picks go and play for the scrappers. And he can, you know, and there's no limit on how many guys can be on your roster. He, he probably lasts another year with this team. But one of those insidious things when they change the rules is, uh, and, and Cleveland wasn't for this. So I don't want to hear all the cheap stuff. I mean, there's plenty of things you can call them cheap about, but this is one of them that, when they cut the overall roster, it was another way to save money, right? So they, they cut out a minor league team, and then they said there's a limit on how many guys you can keep. Because some teams had like two – Cleveland had two complex league teams for a reason. They wanted to cast a wide net, and other organizations didn't want to pay for such – like Cleveland has great facilities. There were organizations – Oakland's not paying for great facilities. Next up, Michael Amadidis, uh, catcher, who they drafted out of high school in 2016. Then he went to um, – the University of Florida. So they got him in 2019. 
one of those redrafts, 37th round out of high school, 21st round out of college. He was a U.S. 18 and under national team guy, catcher and center fielder out of high school. They knew they weren't getting him. Uh, and he goes to Miami and doesn't get to play until his junior year, uh, which is just unfortunate for him that he goes there and doesn't get many opportunities. He actually had decent numbers uh, in that uh, junior season, 273, 375, 436. But he was a defense first guy, kind of. They've been trying to get another Roberto Perez since Roberto Perez, and we've seen the Mike Riveras and the Mike Amadidas, and apparently just guys named Mike who catch. Uh, you know, and he bounced around, but four years in the minors, four seasons. Again, he was drafted in 2019 for the second time. Final line, a 194 batting average, a 307 on base. So, you know, he walked at a decent amount, 316 OPS, and, and not a good enough defensive player to make that work especially when they added three catchers in this year's draft. Marcos Gonzalez was a pretty big signing back in the day. He was a guy who might have even made top 10 lists in places. I, I don't remember his exact, um, I'm sure I could pull it up here, but I feel like he's one of those guys that, you know, just because of the big signing bonus was a near top 10 guy on some lists. Yeah, he got a million dollars. So wait, nope, that's the pitcher. Let's go look at uh, if I put Indians. So he got 250000 uh back in 2017. So you know, he, he got his opportunities. He got all the way up to AAA. He's now playing over in Gary, Indiana. Uh, it's a pretty rough-looking field, having driven past that many times, going from Milwaukee to Cleveland. Uh, he just never hit enough, and then he very quickly moved into a backup role in spite of you know a relatively larger signing bonus. And you know, he played a lot of first base. He wasn't as versatile as I think they were kind of hoping he would be. And then he just didn't hit enough. Um, you know, an interesting player, no doubt. But he is the last of the 14 players, which means we get to take another quick break here and then come back and I will have my shadow draft all pulled up and ready to go and to talk about on today's Locked On Guardians. Just get my little tab open here. So uh, this year's draft was an interesting one. And having the time to discuss it uh, right here for segment three, why not? Why not have some fun? Why not discuss what I would do with the Cleveland Guardians draft? There were a few things that stood out where I'm making big differences. Listen, I've let it be known. Alex Clemmy at 2.3 million was too rich for my blood. He was not in my top 80 players. Uh, I apologize if any of his family are watching. I feel like I'm unnecessarily rough on a teenager. It's just there's a lot of risk. Him and Khalil Watson are the players who have the highest floor, lowest floor, highest ceiling in, in the minors right now. And it is a, a big risk. And there were just other guys I liked a lot more. Like there were still guys who I had first round grades on, second round grades on there. And Clemmy was someone who was closer to a fourth round grade for me. Um, well, yeah, fourth round grade for me. So just because the risk. So when I'm doing the shadow draft, Ralphie Velasquez was he the highest player on my board? No, but he was top five. He was a good value at that pick. I'm going to keep that pick, especially with the savings. That makes sense. Second round, they go Clemmy. I'm going to go a different lefty. I'm going to take Joe Whitman, who only cost 805000 So that gives me $1.5 million more to spend in this draft, and I'm going to take advantage of that. Uh, I'll say that right now. So it's just a matter of how you value players. For me, 
Whitman was a higher rated player who cost significantly less. Now I do understand a small degree of this. If you are Cleveland and you are targeting um, teams with bad developmental histories, maybe they think Kent, he went to Kent. That's actually a good developmental place. He might be in a good place and there isn't as much to fix. Whereas Clemmy, there's some things to work on that maybe you could even unlock some more, but either way for me, uh, I'm going to take the chance on the guy who's only had one year of pitching data who took a really cheap deal there. Uh, Andrew Walters, I like, but, but, you know, Whitman had a first round grade and the other guy had a first round grade was Jack Hurley. And Hurley went to the Diamondbacks in the third round for 887,000. Uh, Andrew Walters cost 955,000. Hurley is a no doubt center fielder with power. I'm going to go with the cheaper guy who's a center fielder versus a reliever for me, um, who's a power hitter. So for Walters pick is fine. I, I don't have any issues with that pick, but Jack Hurley is just too good. Like that is too good of a value. And I'm going to save a little more money. So I'm going there. Next up, 93rd pick. They took CJ Kafis, safe player. I get it. A little bit under slot, saves them some money. They were, I mean, they spent just about all they could spend in this draft. It was right up against it. So every dollar they could save makes sense. But for me, who has already saved, you know, what, 1.6 million so far, I'm going to spend some here. I'm going to go get Cole Miller, who the Oakland Athletics drafted. I believe in the um, in the same round, brother of Jake Miller. So it's not getting you know the the third Naylor brother, but I am getting a brother of a guy in our system. So I don't know if that counts for bonus points or not. Their dad was an NFL receiver, athletic, good spin data, nice secondary offering, California kid. So I know the Guardian scouted him. He cost a million dollars. When I was just going through, it's like were there higher guys on my board? Yes, but I could get them later and also get Cole Miller here. I'm as a Cole Miller fan. I thought he could be on the radar as a prep arm, him being available here. Um, $300,000 difference between what Cleveland did and I did, but thanks to earlier savings, that is not a big deal. Cooper Ingle is next, the catcher slash utility player. Uh, you know, again, he saved them 126000 That's huge. For me, I'm going to save him even more. I really like Chase Boheffrin, the Arkansas outfielder, who got 300000 in you know much later in the draft. So Jace Boheffrin was a guy who I had a second round grade on. He's still there. Sorry, Cooper Angle. I'm saving another 100000 and getting a higher rated guy from me. So that is a pretty easy selection. Cleveland next took Connor Napsick. And this is where I'm going to spend a lot of money. Connor Napsick was 385000 I'm going to go get Cooper Pratt for $1,350,000. You know, $1, so basically a million more. And that's because of my earlier savings. I easily have the money to go do that. So with that extra money, I get Cooper Pratt, who's a guy who I had a borderline first round grade on, has some Gunnar Henderson in him. It's a really interesting prospect. Saves me, or doesn't save me, it costs me a lot of money, but manipulating draft, I mean, Milwaukee. Milwaukee manipulated things to get him to go there. Uh, I'm, I'm going to do the same thing. That is the guy that I save money for. And then moving on, next to pick 188. And so let's see, we got that's the first, that's the third, fourth. So Pratt's in the fifth. We're up to the sixth round. I'm going to go with Christian Curtis here. Cleveland took Tommy Hawk. And I just have some concerns that Hawk is like best outcome as a backup. Christian Curtis is one of those guys who like an explosive, explosive fastball, big right-handed pitcher, good athlete, just didn't perform particularly great. Uh, started out at Texas A&M, kind of bounced around. There's a lot to work with there. If you're looking for someone with a bit more, 
I think he was interesting. He cost 500000 to sign. I believe he is a day three guy. I just think that he is the perfect guy for Cleveland to work on. He's the, you know one of those guys you get in your system, and you find more. And Christian Curtis, I think, could be that guy. I had extra money. Hawk cost 295000 He was full slot. I'm paying 500000 but I was trying to find someone who would make sense around here, and I decided to go with Curtis for the monetary spending here. And then I, I do have some other finagling later. Trust me, all that money is uh, still going to get some uses. Next up, uh, in the seventh round, they took Alex Mooney, paid him a million. I'm going to keep that. That was my second favorite pick. That was the player, second highest rated player for me in this class. It was a lot of money. One could argue too much, but I like it. I like the player keeping him there. Jonah Avancula, I talked about why I thought he was a really interesting player when they took him. So I'll take keep that pick, keep the monetary savings. And push it through. Jay Driver, another really interesting player. Harvard, sidearm, more of a Rugi, Joe Smith type. But it's keep the money, keep the savings. I'm going to cough. Excuse me. Solo show. Get parched. And then I'm going to keep the tugboat as well in the 10th round with Matt Williamson and give him the amount that they gave him. So I'm keeping you know, 7, 8, 9, and 10 and just using... Mooney costs a lot, but the other picks are, are some slight savings. And there's... Yeah, Evan Clue is a great athlete who performed in the Cape, performed well in the Pac-12, and jumped from Division Three to the Pac-12 without even a stutter. Jay Driver is, like I said, I think he's a future reliever. And Matt Williamson, there's he's got really good spin rate data. If he can, again, lose a little more weight, get a little stronger, he could be a steal. But I still got money left. So in the 11th round, I'm not taking Johnny Tincher. I'm taking Carson Montgomery. I uh, want to same thing with Christian Curtis earlier. Montgomery goes to San Diego, and he's over slot in the 11th. San Diego picks after Cleveland. Here's a guy who is still, well, he might turn 21 by now, but it was young for his class, was a first-round value out of high school, performed terribly at Florida State, like many of Florida State are before him. You think that Cleveland can help, can work with the kid, get him back on track, uh, using that money there. He's a good value. Cleveland went under slot with that pick, so I had to pay over the so they went 125 and a 150 so i had to pay for what he was over slot plus the twenty five thousand, which i could make do i'm still keeping jacob brezhnehan in the 13th round even though he is over slot i got the money to do that and then in the 16th round since they didn't sign mac hewer i'm gonna get johnny tincher there and the reason i think i can get him there is he went in the 11th round and agreed to sign for 125 I've got the money to offer him 150. So that also counts against my overall pool because I'm going to offer him more than what he got for him to agree to slide. And I think there isn't a player or agent who is going to say no to an extra 25,000 to tell other teams, no, I'm not signing. I'm going to go back because, you know, I, I think Tincher is interesting, but he's also a 5'9 catcher who has every reason for teams to believe that he would want to go back for a senior year and compete, right? Like he is undersized for that position. So then if he slides through, I think I could push him down. So that is my shadow draft this year. Tell me what you think. Uh, you know, head to head, what do you think of me changing, you know, basically second through sixth round picks uh, and then having some more day three shenanigans. Uh, that That's mine this year. Eventually, maybe this offseason we'll revisit. You don't want to go look at my 2021 um, mock draft where I, I, I took out Tanner Bybee. Um, the 2021 one is just awful. 2022, a year later, you know, Probably not looking that great either. I'd really have to dive into some of these players that I haven't had the opportunity to. But it's it's a 
interesting to look back on many of these. Thank you all for watching, uh, dealing with the weird internet through StreamYard. I appreciate all of you. I hope you enjoyed this bonus episode of Lockdown Guardians. Make sure to comment, tell us what you think below. Be part of the Lockdown Guardians team. Uh, thank you to all of the everydayers out there. Space Lab, I love your hustle, but I want to point out one thing about if a team were to wave Pete Alonso, I'm pretty sure every team would claim him. Just as a final thought here at the end of this episode, I don't think there is a team at the top of baseball who would not claim him to allow some crazy trade to happen later on in the offseason. So I don't think that can happen. But uh, I appreciate everyone. I appreciate the ideas in a rough season like this. It's always fun to think outside the box. Thank you all, and go, go, Guardians, go.